The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. To the players, talking to you this morning is certainly one of the hardest things that I've done. I believe in each and every one of you. I see the hard work you're putting in, but it will turn. Continue to work hard, work closely with each other, work closely with your coaches, work closely with the staff, and I know it will turn. A massive thanks to my family who have just been unbelievable support <coughs> for me over the journey. Uh, my wife in particular, who's the rock of our family, to Sarah, to Jessica and Dean, and my little grandson Jackson, to Mark and his fiancée, <coughs> Jasmine, and to John and Annabelle. Thank you for your unbridled support and love and care. And I can't wait to spend more time with you. So there you go, a casualty in AFL ranks. Many saw it coming Quite a number of weeks ago, David Noble stepping down as coach of the North Melbourne Football Club, effective immediately after conducting a press conference today. And we're going to have more on that a bit later on the program. So stay with us and we're going to analyse what maybe the future holds for North Melbourne and who will be the Kangaroos' next coach. And let's talk about Alistair Clarkson. Let's talk about Adam Simpson, the current West Coast Eagles coach because of his connection with North Melbourne, having racked up 306 games for the Kangaroos across a brilliant 15-year career. As I mentioned, there's been talk about Alistair Clarkson, but every time there's a job vacancy, his name will be thrown up. Also, Ross Lyon has been mooted, Don Pike. But let me tell you, there's another one that I will throw up. I'm going to reserve it until I speak to Kim Hagdorn, because I'm inviting him on the program later on in the hour. He's our AFL expert. And I thought to myself, who could comment about North Melbourne? And why speak to somebody else when he is our AFL expert? So Haggis is going to jump on the phone. We'll have a brief chat with him a bit later on, on how he sees it developing going forward, because this has been a huge discussion point on this program over many weeks. But I will reserve my judgment on another individual, a West Australian that could be sounded out by North Melbourne to take over from David Noble. Because this individual, I believe, was even sounded out before David Noble accepted the position. We'll discuss that a bit later on. Very shortly, we'll have a chat to Jimmy Smith. Of course, our National Rugby League expert works for SEN 11.70 in Sydney. Tomorrow night, it's the big one. The decider between New South Wales and Queensland at Suncorp Stadium to see who takes out Origin for 2022. We saw it firsthand, State of Origin 2. The game was up for grabs at halftime, but then the Blues went on a rampage and demolished the uh, Queensland Maroons in the second half to win comfortably. So it split at one game apiece. And as I said, it all comes down to tomorrow. So we'll speak to Jimmy Smith in just a moment. Also later in the hour, one of the most celebrated West Australian sports stars was present at Garden City Shopping Centre today. And this individual 
has taken on a crusade, apart from being an elite sports person, is also writing children's books. And today there was an autograph signing at Dimmick's at Garden City. It was pandemonium. There were hundreds, if not thousands, lining up to get personal, up and close with one Samantha Kerr. And we're going to cross live to Garden City Shopping Centre and speak to the owner, the franchise owner of that store, to tell us about the events of earlier today. Uh, it was just out of control because Sam Kerr has become such an elite sports star, not only in this country, but as we know, through the world game. So we'll uh, have a bit on that a bit later on. But it's sold out. State of Origin 3 is sold out tomorrow night with Queensland and New South Wales. Can't wait for it. And I reckon Jimmy Smith can't wait for it as well. He joins us here on Drive with Pete of Lajos here on SENWA. Jimmy, thanks for your time. G'day, Pete. How you going? You pumped? You I'm pumped. pumped. I'm pumped. It's interesting, actually. <laughs> uh, I worked for the Nine Network for a number of years, and I remember we used to put on State of Origin live um, when it was – initially it was – pre-recorded and played about two or three hours earlier. And then we decided when we were working at the Nine Network to put it on live and the audience was average. Can I tell you, it has grown exponentially here in Western Australia where the State of Origin 2 game played here at Optus Stadium drew in excess of 150,000 viewers uh, wow. on the Nine Network. For our population, that's quite significant, let me tell you. It has become... A big sport. A lot of people here in Western Australia follow it. They go to their local pubs. They go to their mate's house. And it's become a real event. How big will this match be tomorrow night? Of course, Lang Park, now Suncorp Stadium, sold out. They'll be hanging from the rafters, won't they? Absolutely, they will. Peter, you know, as far as State of Origin goes, it doesn't get any bigger than this. So there's always deciders. Um, they try not to do the away games and, and when they take them on the road as the third game because uh, just in case it's a dead rubber. Um, so that's why Perth was the second game. Um, and often, obviously, the, the third game is played at um, a core stadium in Sydney, which is a great stadium, 82,000 people there, but not purpose-built for rectangular sports. Suncorp Stadium is purpose-built for rectangular sports. In fact, in many ways, I know it was built for the Rugby World Cup in 2003, but it was built for Rugby League. It's their spiritual home for the Queenslanders. It's an old graveyard there at the, the former Lang Park, and that's what it was built on. And I'll tell you what, plenty of New South Wales sides have gone up there to die over the years. There's only been two series deciding wins from New South Wales in the 42-year <laughs> history of State of Origin. They're attempting to do it for the third time. The good news is, that Brad Fittler, who is the coach of the New South Wales side, was in one of those winning sides. That was back in 1994 when New South Wales did it for the very first time. So saying that, uh, there has been the unexpected COVID situation. Now, Cameron Munster Mm -hmm. was pivotal when Queensland won game one down there in Sydney. And, of course, COVID's got him. Murray Talagi has also been uh, ruled out. And we're now... Just over, in fact, just under, you know, just over 24 hours away from a start. I suppose everybody is on tender hooks to make sure it doesn't infiltrate into the camps uh, before the game gets underway tomorrow night. Uh, most definitely, all precautions have been taken. Players getting tested twice a day. They were mingling in the community as much as they possibly could in the early parts of this camp. That certainly um, changed very 
very dramatically and, and understandably so, especially in indoor areas. To put it in perspective for your listeners, Pete, um, the fact that Cameron Munster is out of this side is the equivalent of losing Chris Judd the morning or, or the week leading up to the grand finals in 05 or 06. Like that, that's how big a player, that's how important he is. He's, he's their best player, their most important player. In many ways, it, the, the, um, the wave of Queensland rises and falls with Cameron Munster. And he not being there has dramatically changed the shape of the game. The unfortunate thing for New South Wales is doesn't mean you're going to win. You still mm. have to go out there and win the game. It's It's been made, I won't say it's been made easier, but it, it's been made a little more comfortable. Um, but you just don't underestimate Queensland in Queensland. Yeah. Well, you look out, it's going to be a packed out to side at Lang Park. It's a huge advantage for Queensland, but it's not a guaranteed win, is it, Jimmy? Because Queensland had the luxury of all three games at home last year, what, Townsville, Brisbane, Gold Coast. And lost yeah. a series 2-1, and they lost 26-zip at Lang Park. So saying that, with Cameron Munster out and how significant that is, could that be the reason that maybe New South Wales take it tomorrow night? Oh, look, I think... I not only think New South Wales will win, I want New South Wales to win because I'm a New South Welshman, but um, every, everything works for them. You know, we're coming off that game in Perth, at Optus Stadium, it was a cracking game of rugby league. And then Felice Gafusi was sent to the sin bin and then it just, it was an avalanche of points by New South Wales in that second half. It was a superb performance by Nathan Cleary. And if we talk about Cameron Munster for Queensland, well, Nathan Cleary's about the same for New South Wales, just an absolute superstar of the game in a key position. So um, you, you get the sense that this is going to be the, the time and place for Nathan Cleary to announce himself as a state of origin great. He'll get a lot of support from others around him, but um, it's set up for New South Wales to win. But as I said earlier, mate, I'm sure Brad Fittler hasn't been talking about that all week. It, yeah. He's been talking about what needs to be done, but it's there for New South Wales to create a little bit more history. Saying that, uh, he was criticised somewhat leading to the game here at Optus Stadium with the amount of changes he made. It's now minimal changes, a bit more stability with the squad and the team for Game 3 tomorrow night at Suncorp Stadium. Saying that, uh, how do you think the makeup will be? You spoke about Nathan Cleary. He was the match winner, no question, particularly in the second half. You think that Queensland will have certain tactics to make sure they nullify him and he doesn't have the impact that he had here in Perth uh, a couple of weeks or so ago? So all Queensland can do, and, and I'm not sure what Billy Slater will do, but all, all I would think they can do is they get their most experienced side out there. They get their best players out there straight away. So... You mean you start with Harry Grant, you put Ben Hunt in the halves, you put Jai Arrow out there, you put Tino Fasua Malaawi up in the front row and you put Patrick Carrigan on the field and you say, right, let's get New South Wales off tilt. Let's just get them, them thinking, hang on, at the 25-minute mark, hang on, at the 30-minute mark, this is not how we thought it would play out. And then use that momentum and just uh, have more energy than New South Wales and that's how you'll get That's how Queensland will win. Um, that, they've got to do that for 80 minutes. New South Wales, on the other hand, just have to be calm and play the way they want to play. They did that second half at Perth. And, and look, Freddie was criticised post that first game. And probably rightly so. He made changes. I thought they were reflex changes. I thought they were going to mirror what Queensland were doing. But it was a masterstroke. He got it exactly right. His selection of Appy Coruscant was 100% correct. 
He backed other players like Matt Burton and CSC for Talakai. They completely repaid him. So too did Jake Trebojevic. And, and if you're going to do it in game two for me, then I'm going to put you there for game three. And that's exactly what Freddie did. Yep. So he stabilised the squad. Saying that, we've seen two excellent matches. The first one was a gem. And the game was up for grabs at halftime here in Perth before the Blues ran away. When you have a decider, Jimmy, and you've covered many over many years... Is it hell for leather? Is it win at all costs? Or do you start conservative to make sure you don't go too far behind and maybe reassess at halftime? What sort of game are we likely to see tomorrow night, do you think, tactically? If we thought the first game was a cracker and the second game was probably a little bit better, um, take it up a notch for the third game because you get this... I was amazed over there at Optus Stadium, how much moisture came up through the ground. And we were walking out after the ground to where our cars were parked at the um, one of those outside ovals, and there mm. was so much moisture yeah. coming up from the ground. It looked like it had rained. It was a completely new phenomenon for us, and it helped us understand why there were players slipping so much on Optus Stadium. You don't get that at Suncorp. You'll get a dry track. You'll get a fast track. And there's no second chances, right? This is it. So no one's holding back. This is helter-skelter from the opening kickoff and until they're exhausted at the 80-minute mark. That's one of the issues at Optus Stadium. You made a point there, Jimmy, is even in AFL games, players are sleeping. I just reckon it's the water table because the stadium's so close to the Swan River. I think it's the water table, and it's certainly an issue that probably uh, wasn't expected when they built the stadium. But I know it's uh, very evident uh, sometimes in that, AFL games. Yeah, is that right, Pete? Because I, I wasn't aware of it. And we watched the earlier game, which was a, a local uh, representative game, a couple of teams going at it there. And the, the ground did not look dry, uh, wet at all. And mm. then all of a sudden, it, and then when we walked outside to go to the car, and so we're talking 10 o'clock local time, it felt like it had rained, but all the cars were dry, but the, the ground was wet. So that that is fascinating because we don't have that phenomenon here in Sydney and they certainly don't have it at Brisbane. Yeah, it's, it's the tides and the water table. I, I'm convinced of that and uh, I know it's something that's being discussed at this point in time. So, Jimmy, uh, let's have a look at tomorrow night. No doubt you fancy the Blues, but you wouldn't be surprised if the Queenslanders take it because in deciders, and I've seen some of the statistics, when Queensland have won in Sydney and it's come to a decider in Game 3... They've often taken the chocolates. Oh, they've got a fantastic record. They've won 15 of the last 18 games at Suncorp, and that's including that game last year where New South Wales won comfortably. They've won nine of the last 11 deciders that have been played in Queensland at Suncorp Stadium. So they've got an incredible record there, but, but too much in favour of New South Wales, too many good players there, too many players in form. And a team that's ready to win. I, I think New South Wales can do it. I think they can create their own piece of history. Um, and I think it's a continuation of that great streak that Brad Fittler has started without Latrell Mitchell and without Tom Trebojevic, two of their absolute stars. Yeah, I think it's a, a blue night tonight, uh, tomorrow night, mm. Pete. And just regarding Brad Fittler, will this be his last time as maybe State of Origin coach? Because there's talk that he may be coaching uh, club football next season. How do you see it? You could knock me over with a feather if you agreed to coach at NRL level. This suits Freddie perfectly. Because he's, 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 he's been linked with Canterbury, hasn't he? Well, that's because he's great mates with Gus Gould. So mm -hmm. Gus Gould's the general manager of football there. I, I would be absolutely surprised if he, he did that. It, it's, it, State of Origin's perfect for him. He's He's got his football release that he's 
He's built for Origin. He played over 30 games, and now he's one of New South Wales' most successful coaches. And he's got another year to run on a contract. If he wins this series, that is extended out to the end of 2024. It complements the great media work that he does with Channel 9. It's a perfect fit. Why he would want to put himself <laughs> through the turmoil of 12 months of the year of working out how to win footy games with a club that's had a very tough last five years, I do not know. But anyway, uh, we'll wait and see. I'd be very shocked, Pete. Yeah, okay. Good on you. Thanks for joining us, uh, Jimmy. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Should be an absolute beauty. Really looking forward to it. Gets underway at 10 past six, Perth time, 10 past eight over there, uh, Australian uh, Eastern Standard Time. And thanks for giving us your time tonight here on Drive. Thanks, Jimmy. Any. But all the best, mate. Good on you. Jimmy Smith joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Uh, they are an outstanding organisation, Toolmart. They are local. Uh, they have got 12 stores spread around the Perth metropolitan area. And also for those people listening on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, one there in Bunbury as well. Uh, they are local and you can always get the right tool from the start and they understand the West Australian market. So there's no other question. You hear, of course, ads for all of these tool companies from the eastern states. They are local. They are here to help you. And tradies, there's no other uh, option other than shopping at Toolmart. Thanks to Ian Peterson. And the team for sponsoring Drive with Peter Vlahos. We'll take a break. We'll look at the big uh, movements at North Melbourne and some of the other issues in the AFL with Kim Hagdor next here on the program. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome to the uh, Drive Show. Uh, of course, you can get involved anytime. Bedshed uh, is the temper at Bedshed text line. They sponsor it, 0487 736 736. Bedshed experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. Or give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55 is that number. You can sell your car at Scarborough Toyota. And they buy all makes and models as well. In fact, they all uh, service makes and models as well. So uh, pop in and see Ben and the team. Uh, regarding what happened in North Melbourne today, we'll get to that shortly and we'll speak to Kim Hagdorn, my AFL analyst. But the other intriguing aspect of this season going forward is the impact of COVID and what that could do and where that could derail teams as they head towards a final we know the impact that it had on the Brisbane Lions last week, losing a number of players to the health and safety protocols. Dane Zorko actually said this on SENQ this morning. Well, masks are back on. We're going with a real cautious um, sort of view at the moment, simply because of the cases in Brisbane are just exploding. So, yeah, we're masked back on in throughout the club. You know, try and be... Uh, keep your distance from the public as best as you can. You know, sort of if you go into um, restaurants or cafes, make sure you're sitting outside and, you know, keep your distance sort of thing. Um, on the injury front, hamstrings, yeah, look, I think me and Richie will both be tested this week. Um, I think, fingers crossed, Jared Berry's was really minor. And uh, and I, I, I do, I think he will come back in. Um, he'll obviously have to get through his stuff this week, but talking to him and, uh, what he said to me, he seems to think he'll be right, which will be a good inclusion for the club. And then obviously the COVID boys, I think there was five that went down or six that went down. 
the only one that shouldn't that won't return due to um, uh, catching it on actually Saturday morning was Noah Answorth. So yeah. the rest of the boys will either be back, well they'll all be out tomorrow, uh, which means they'll all be available to train on Thursday and hopefully get a, a, a good session in, a good captain's run, and, and then head down to Canberra. So there should, there'll be some more changes this week. Fingers crossed uh, a couple of the hammy boys get up. But uh, other than that, we should be should be slowly getting back to um, you know, a full-strength side again. The up to nine regulars out last week uh, due to injury and health and safety protocols, as you heard from Dane Zorko. They're away. They go to Canberra and they take on the GWS Giants, uh, the early game on Saturday, 11.45 our time. And he spoke about COVID, how it's uh, the cases are certainly spiking there in Brisbane and uh, how they need to be very cautious. Patrick Dangerfield actually feels that COVID is creeping in slowly back into the AFL system. Well, it certainly seems that way. I mean, having watched the, the Brisbane game of the weekend, you know, nine out, plays a, a hugely significant role in the outcome of that game. And quite clearly the the with the way the season is is panning out, it is incredibly tight. So, you know, as players, you've got to be hyper aware over this next eight weeks, eight, ten weeks, um, with what you're doing, where you're going, because yeah, it's almost been the sleeping giant that just because we've had enough talking about it doesn't mean that it doesn't have the uh, the possibility of really shaping, uh, you know, this next 10 weeks. I think we just understand these last few years have been really challenging and, you know, it's been a factor. But it doesn't mean that, um, you know, it's wins are any less impressive than they were before. It's just, you know, there is this elephant in the room that is COVID that is... Yeah a real challenge. So we all get that. We understand that, but it doesn't make it any easier, does it? Mm, interesting times uh, regarding COVID. We thought we'd seen the back of it, but as we said, even here in Perth, uh, cases are starting to go north and there's even early talk. Uh, in fact, I heard uh, an authority this morning saying, if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, certainly indoors where you can't socially distance, put the mask back on. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more people wearing masks around the Perth CBD and maybe in confined spaces indoors. But as we see, uh, certainly numbers are increasing on the eastern seaboard, in particular in the football states there in Melbourne. So it'll be interesting to see if it does sneak into any of those uh, clubs with, as we know, the business end of the season here and then the finals. The big story today was that David Noble, the coach of the North Melbourne Football Club, uh, was sacked, decided to step down, and he understood, and he went to the press conference today with Dr Sonia Hood, of course, the president and the chief executive, Ben Amafio. And David Noble did confess, in the end, North Melbourne's on-field performances, the buck really stopped with him. No, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, the, the numbers haven't been great. Um, you know, we wanted to be competitive around the group that we were sitting with. We wanted to challenge the group above us and then try to, you know, really challenge that, that top four group, and we haven't been able to do it. So, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. We haven't been able to get the performance, and that's me. And Dr Sonia Hood said this on why they had to move on from Noble. Resisting the urge to dream big, we set a simple benchmark, improve on last year, 
compete consistently against the teams around us on the ladder and play a brand of football that challenged the competition's best teams. Put simply, we have failed to live up to those expectations and that is why we've agreed to end David's tenure as coach. President of the North Melbourne Football Club there, Dr Sonia Hood. And finally, Ben Amafio is the CEO. And as you may recall, when things were getting a bit hot in the kitchen, Ben came out and said, I support David Noble. This is a performance-based business and it's brutal. And we get it. And, and our results have been poor and we haven't been competitive. Um, I think we've had six games in that period and, you know, you all know the scores. Um, so that's been disappointing. Um, if my if my credibility gets called into question because I showed faith and loyalty in our coach, then I'm happy to wear that. OK, so there you go. They're the three players, David Noble, Dr Sonia Hood and also Ben Amafio. We'll get a journalistic look at it because he's been right across it uh, while he's been in the studio with me on Mondays and Thursdays. Kim Hagdorn will look at who is likely to succeed David Noble and could it be maybe Adam Simpson for the West Coast Eagles? But I'll throw one name at Kim Hagdorn because I believe this fellow was sounded out uh, before Noble got the job because they were pretty keen on him, North Melbourne. I'll reveal that after the break. It's 29 past five here at Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Tuesday night, and he normally occupies the studio with uh, yours truly on a Monday and Thursday, but I thought I'd pull him off the bench uh, today just to get him on the phone to give us his thoughts. Uh, he's Perth's leading newsbreaker, respected journalist, commentator, Kim Hagdorn, to give us uh, his positioning because he's uh, certainly been quite vocal about North Melbourne, in particular their coach, uh, David Noble. As we know, today, uh, David Noble exited uh, Arden Street and the search is on now for his replacement. Kim Hagelin, thanks for joining us on the program. Yeah, hi, Pete. How are you going? We've sort of been monitoring this for, for weeks. We've seen it coming, haven't we? Yeah. How come no one, at North, no one at North Melbourne on the inner sanctum could see it coming? Mm. And Ben Amafio, the CEO, says, if I get criticised uh, or torn down because I supported my coach, then I'll take it. But in the end... He probably didn't see it coming either, or there was something happening uh, behind the scenes. And in the end, uh, Dr. Sonia Hood, the president of North Melbourne, just says uh, we just had to move on. The results weren't acceptable. Well, absolutely, Peter. Five wins in 38 games over one and a half or one and two-thirds of a season. Uh, five wins, that's a 13% winning ratio. You just You can't sell your future on that, and that's part of what... Uh, today would be about at this time of the season. You know, a very respected uh, uh, footy a analyst said to me today, why now? Why not wait till the end of the season? And my immediate response was, well, you have to start to try to sell some hope, don't you? You have to mm. sell to your... To your it's, it's a business move. But let's not forget, Pete, that you know the highly regarded AFL administration or guru, Jeff Walsh, was brought in to North Melbourne to initiate this swing of the hatchet. No, Noble had to go. It's exactly the same as what Jeff Walsh did at Carlton when he was called in last year to head the review and then report to the board with no holds barred and have total access to anyone he wanted to speak to. Now, Noble just had to go because contrary, Pete, to everything that is being said publicly, everything that is being said about and has been said for six to eight weeks about amicable relations, player stability, staff security... A lot of it is just not true. It's not stable. It's a very 
ununified place. Uh, and they also kept telling us, Ben Amafio and David Noble, that they were reunited, that they were going in the right direction. And yet we just cited the figures. Five wins in one and a half seasons at 13% and an average losing margin of well over 10, uh, well over 10 goals. He, he had to go. And also contrary to what's being said publicly, Peter, about staff and players uh, supporting their direction and the, David Noble, again, my understanding is that's just not true. At least six players... At least six top-end players had told their managers in very recent times, if David Noble's coaching us next year, I have to be traded. Get me a trade in October. Now, some of these are contracted players, and one or two of them are players of, of, of 10 or 12 or 15-year potential because they're, they're guns. They've been recruited so early in the draft because of how abysmal North have been and been in that, that strong drafting position. But he had to go, and it is very contrary to what's being said publicly. As I understand it, Pete, as to why he had to go. Jeff Walsh spoke to staff, players and managers to get a feel on where David Noble was at. And it was resounding. He's got to go. Even a lot of the ex-North Melbourne players, as I understand it, have said to Jeff Walsh, get rid of him first and then move on a Mafio. Now, I don't know that Jeff Walsh has actually got that part of his agenda to, to move on administrators, but certainly the football department. And he had to go. And now it allows... Uh, Jeff Walsh, who will lead it, Pete, because North Melbourne administrators, Sonia Hood, the, the president, and Chief, um, uh, Chief Executive Ben Armafio, they'll launch the best possible search they can for the best possible coach. But they'll continue to say publicly they've had no contact. We have no direct contact. You, you watch the dialogue in coming weeks. It'll be done through Jeff Walsh and potential new coaches, managers, and that's how it'll be worked away behind the scenes. So it opens up justified conjecture on where the likes of Adam Simpson sits and certainly Alistair Clarkson on the market uh, and Nathan Buckley, Don Pike. There'll be other big names, but they'll be spoken to and they'll give some indication as whether they're willing to talk to North Melbourne off the record or even on the record as they try to find a new coach. Mm, interesting. Uh, good rap there, Kim. The other two names that I'll throw your way... Yep. Would Ross yep. Lyon be a target? Would he be spoken to, in your opinion? Uh, to be honest, I was actually hoping you wouldn't ask that, Pete, because I, I think I just know a little bit too much. All I'll say is that Jeff Walsh, as I, as I touched on, uh, he, he conducted Carlton's review last year and then made recommendations that David Teague had to go and you needed a very strong, marketable coach but the report he put together as to why you wouldn't touch Ross Lyon, my understanding is very damning, and the AFL have a copy of that. Mm. Um, so I'd be very surprised with Jeff Walsh heading this up, this, this, this coach hunt, this hatchet job that's had to go on at North. They're a basket case, and, and it's, it's, it's incredible to think that Sonia Hood and Ben Armafio have been so complicit in supporting... David Noble, when no one else behind this, or so very few behind the scenes were, that now they'll get this decision right. It's all in Jeff Walsh's corner. And 
I don't. I would like to suggest that Ross Lyon wouldn't even be considered if he is heading up their review and now they're hunt for a new coach. Okay, so all of a sudden you've mentioned Alistair Clarkson, you've mentioned Adam Simpson, who have had connections mm-hmm. through playing uh, at North Melbourne. Clarkson, ninety-three mm-hmm. games across nine seasons, of course, three hundred and six games. Adam Simpson, uh, a brilliant fifteen-year career and a club legend. There, yeah. we've mentioned Don Pike. What will they go for a big brand name? Or will they go, do you think, for the best coach that can develop the squad they've already got? And one name I'd like to throw your way, if you think that he could be considered, I believe, even before David Noble was sounded out, Mm -hmm. that one Jamie Graham Mm -hmm. received a phone call Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. see whether he was interested. And at that point in time, he just, no, I'm pretty comfortable where I am. Do you think they'll come at him again? And is Jamie Graham possibly an option for North Melbourne? Oh, you, you couldn't possibly discount Jamie Graham as a candidate, uh, but you'd have a hit list. Alistair Clarkson will be the top of every club who needs a coach, and even some who've got a coach. They'll they'll think, you know, let, let's talk to Alistair before he makes his final decision in case he's interested. Uh, and we said last night, Peter Essendon is now hot on to the on, onto the Alistair Clarkson chase. And my understanding is Clarkson's very seriously considering Essendon because they're they're going to be all right next year. Mm -hmm. And then for years after that, a power club. So you'd start with Clarkson. So if you're North Melbourne, you'd say, right, who's on the market? Uh, Jeff, what have we heard from Alistair Clarkson? His manager has said he's willing to talk to us. Okay, he'd be your number one target. If he says no, Alistair Clarkson, direct or his manager... Uh, uh, James Henderson says, no, Alistair's not interested. Okay, who's next? Do we go to Buckley? Do we go to Pike, who probably are available? Or do we try and poach and, and, and coax Adam Simpson away from West Coast? It'd be a matter of a process of elimination, Pete. And so Jamie Graham, Adam Uze, Adam Kingsley, who you hear so much uh, positive stuff about as assistants and that they are senior coaches in, in waiting, they would have to be then considered similar to how Collingwood finished up with Craig McRae. You know, they, they went for uh, the big coach. They went for a Clarkson. They spoke to Don Pike. Don Pike pulled out. And then they decided, well, we'll go for the best and most reputed assistant coach on the market. Now, Adam Uze and Adam Kingsley fit into that because they're both highly regarded. Uze at Melbourne and Adam Kingsley now at Richmond, but spent so long at Port under Ken Hinckley, uh, outstanding credentials. So too Jamie Graham. I don't think you could discount Jamie Graham. And he would probably, I reckon if he was offered the job, for instance, well, would you take North Melbourne? That's one of the big questions that I've mm. got here, Peter, to throw back to you and for us to consider. Who would want to take the mess that is North Melbourne? Noble's had the last 38 games. Reece Shaw only lasted 29 games. They're a basket case. They've got administrators who think they've been doing a wonderful job who are now going to make the same decisions. It's not as if there's a new administration in there. A lot of this is on Jeff Walsh, and it depends who they get in their process of elimination. Okay. Kim, as we let you go, of course, they've put in interim coach, played 100 games with Mm. North Melbourne. Mm. Uh, We're talking about, of course, uh, Lee Adams, um, who coached the VFL side last year and took on the role as a development coach. So in the end, he's the interim coach. You'll see it to the end of the year. What are we likely to see mm. from North Melbourne? Interesting to see how they play or how they respond the players this weekend. Well, even if they play well, like they don't know how to win. And, and we saw that on Sunday. I mean, Collingwood ran all over them. North Melbourne should never have lost that game. That was really poor coaching not to be able to lock that out. And I think they only lost by seven points having, having led at three-quarter time. 
and and Collingwood, we know what they did. They ran all over them. And it probably seems a bit strange after a performance like that, a bit of promise, that you sack your coach three days later. Um, to me, that's not so surprising. We saw uh, Chris Conley sacked two days after on a Tuesday night after uh, that he'd only lost to North Melbourne by coincidence by four points the previous Sunday. So there was promise there. They can't finish. They're poorly coached. Lee Adams is in a very awkward position. He's purely caretaker. He's not going to get the senior job no matter how well they go because they play Richmond at Marvel, Hawthorne down at Hobart, Essendon, Sydney, Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, Gold Coast. Is there, I, I don't see a win there for mm. North Melbourne for the rest of the season. So, it, no, he's, a, he's purely caretaker. Um, I was a little bit surprised, and I reckon there might be something behind this as to why John Blakey didn't take it as uh, the interim coach at North Melbourne. He's got, a, he, he's got sort of Craig McRae type of credentials, been around for so long, gun player, highly regarded in the industry, spent so much successful time at Sydney as an assistant, under Lee Matthews for four years, including their premiership era back in the early part of this, this century. I was surprised. So I wonder if there's something there brewing in terms of the takeover, not to be putting John Blakey as any kind of a doubt, Peter, but as to who is planning to be running the club in time to come. And John Blakey may be sitting back waiting till the change uh, takes mm. place and then he has his new role. Yeah, yeah. good point, Hags. Good point. All right, Hags, we'll talk more about it, no doubt, on uh, Thursday night footy team selections. Thanks for uh, helping us out tonight. Of course, I thought, well, if who's going to talk about this issue? It is Kim Hagdorn. He's our AFL analyst here on Drive. So thanks for your time, Hags. See you on Thursday. Yeah, I look forward to it. And just in closing, have a look at the North Melbourne list because if it's reasonably well coached, uh, they can be far more competitive than they have been because there's a lot of handy players there. But uh, it has been poorly coached for two years and that's why they're in such a mess. Good stuff, Haggis. Thanks for your time, mate. See you Thursday. See you, Peter. Okay, Kim Haddorn joining us, our AFL analyst here on Drive with Peter Vlahos, back with uh, a special uh, little segment and a special guest after these. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Great to have your company. If you're listening on SEN 657 in Perth, SEN uh, Spirit 621 through Bunbury in the southwest, uh, SEN 1611 through the Goldfields on digital radio at SEN Peel on the SEN WA app. Well, she's a Perth favourite, uh, Sam Kerr, and she's got the keys to the city. She was given those uh, just a few days ago. And the global soccer megastar, again, was the focus of plenty of attention today at Garden City Shopping Centre because she launched the fourth book in her children's series, Kicking Goals, which is based around her journey as a young soccer player growing up in an Australian rules haven. And she was at Dimmick's at Garden City today, and I believe they came from everywhere. Anne Poublom is the franchise owner there at Garden City in at the Dimmick store at Garden City, and she joins us on the program. And thanks for your time. Thank you, Peter. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, what was it like today? Give us a bit of a uh, a scene setter, I believe. Yeah. What, what time? What time was the book signing, and how many people came along? Uh, uh, the book signing was at half past ten, and Sam was through to it. He was on time. Um, we had in excess of five hundred people lining up, starting from seven a.m. in the morning. So they came from everywhere. 
And uh, he certainly has a very strong following, not only for her soccer, but also for her books that she has written. She's written three, actually. And the fourth one is due out in September. But she was there to sign three copies, so it was a very busy morning. Uh, and what sort and, uh, of uh, what sort of people were yawning up? Were there young girls, oh, mothers and fathers? Yes. Of course, there were mothers and fathers, and there were grandparents. But of course, the people, the, the general focus of custom uh, profile was actually the young adults and very young adults, and they came using their gear as well, soccer, long socks and shoes mm. and, and all dressed to kill, which was fantastic because it was an eye-opener because uh, it's amazing how uh, female soccer uh, fans have developed and boys and girls following it too. Yeah. How, yeah. Did, you, how did you get her, Anne? I know you've done a lot of book signings there at Dimmicks at Garden City. How did you secure have, Sam Kerr? Uh, through her publishers. Uh, she's got Simon Schuster as a publisher, and uh, I work closely with all publishers. So giving her was quite cool. I consider it a privilege. And being a local girl, it was great. But, uh, yes, we worked hard to get it all put together and look professional. Uh, I took a lot of vision of it, uh, uh, video as well as films. But the most important thing is she was a star of the show, and she really was fantastic. I can understand why she has been awarded the Keys for City because I think she's a worthy uh, receiver of that. And same thing as Young Australian of the Year. Mm. So she was Young Australian of the Year. Don't forget that. Yeah. And to say, consider somebody playing soccer and now playing soccer overseas for Chelsea is a very big accomplishment. Yeah, well done. I've, I've seen some photos, actually, of uh, the crowds that gathered there at Garden yes. City Dimmicks, and they were yes. outside. They actually wound outside of the actual shopping centre, oh. didn't they? Oh, way, way out from the side of our store, from the front to the side, and out to the outside, and to the side of Mars, and it was like a snaking going round and round, and... You know, and we wondered whether actually we would make it in the time she had given us. But she was fantastic. She overstayed the time for us and made sure that every customer who bought a book was there. She signed that, that book for them. Fantastic. It was really wonderful. And Anne, before yes. we let you go, you've had you've had a lot of book signings over the years, haven't you? There at Garden I have, City. Yes, yes, I, oh yes, indeed I have. I I love them. It's been great. I've had some very big names over there. And it's been a real privilege to be there in Garden mm. City and have all these people come around for their book signings. You know, Mark yeah. River, John Howard, uh, Steve Wall, Sean Re- Jane Warren, and all these. Oh, yes, and one of my last ones was uh, uh, Gerald, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dexter from WA, who passed away. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, it was... It's been a fantastic time for me, yeah. Good on you, Anne. You've been there, what, 30 years, which is a great tenure there at uh, (laughs) Dimmicks in Garden City. All right, Anne. I'll let you go. I know you've got a commitment at 6 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, and I'm glad it was such a great day today. Thank you for having me. Nice to talk to you. Okay. Okay. And Poublon there, who's the franchise owner of Dimmicks at Garden City. Hundreds and hundreds of people rolled out to get their book signed by... uh, 
Sam Kerr, just an absolute legend. And Garden City's sort of been a, a locality growing up around that area in Perth. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be back again tomorrow from five right here on SENWA. This has been Drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart.